0: Good morning and welcome back to Catapult Your Career, um, where we delve into the reality of various careers uh, and explore practical advice for numerous professions. Um, and today we're going to be looking into the world of uh, the tech industry. Uh, and I have none other than a good friend who is actually a chief tech officer, a CTO uh, in d How are you, Draj? Hi, Michael. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for, for joining us today. Uh, it's a pleasure pleasure to have you uh, and hopefully of course the, of course the kind of podcast we're going to talk about various things in terms of your role uh, and kind of various past experiences to kind of help listeners uh, if they are looking to transition into that kind of background so first and foremost really uh, feel free to give us an introduction to yourself and, and kind of your uh, a brief brief background
1: yeah sure uh, my name is Devarsh Um and I, as you mentioned, I'm a CTO of um, provide Digital. It's a health tech company. Uh, we develop pr- uh, software primarily to the health sector within UK, and of course, with a vision to to go uh, uh, you know global as well. Um, uh, my background is uh, AI, machine learning, uh, software development uh, in education side of things. I did my bachelor's in biomedical engineering, my master's in electronics and communication engineering, and then my PhD is in Primarily in computer science, but focused on AI and machine learning and working with health tech data um, during during the three years of my PhD. Um, yeah, that's that's me, I suppose.
0: Amazing. I. Yeah. I feel rather daft now in this room. <laughs> Talking to everyone, you've listed off a of various kind of the PhD in the AI, machine learning, all the rest of it, crikey. And that, that is the, the sole reason why you were the first person I wanted to kind of come in terms of this space to talk about it, because you have such a, a wealth of, of knowledge and insight. So thank you again for joining us. Um, And you mentioned, with, let's start off with where you are now, in terms of that CTO, so that Chief Tech Officer, what is a chief tech officer? If someone's listening, thinking, crikey, that, that sounds like a, a grand title. What, what What is a CTO?
1: Well, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's hard to understand CTO because it depends on, you know, where your company is and um, the role of a CTO always changes. Uh, if you're a startup and if you have a team of only two people, uh, of course, the CTO is actually going to be working towards the strategies of the company and also developing the code as well sometimes you know most of the uh, ctos with you know startup and with a very small team they develop themselves as well and it it, it all depends on you know, where your company is and in big companies of course ctos are more focused towards you know creating or, or managing the whole uh, strategic point of technology side of that that particular business and um, of course they they have to you know uh, work towards uh, helping the business as well helping you know making business business decisions as well or strategies as well in terms of uh, tech perspectives for the company um, my role specifically is, is bit in between of, of two of them. Uh, so because provider is of course a startup, but, but not, not with a, with a very small team because we majorly, you know, uh, outsource all our tech things. So my role is of course, managing all the, uh, technology teams, uh, where we develop, you know, products parallelly and also contribute to the, you know, technological side of, of the company as well. Uh, within the startup, there's a key thing for CTO that is, I think, very, very crucial, Michael. Uh, that's, uh, you know, creating or or making sure that the company not only grows towards the tech side of things, but also towards technological architecture of the company. So you, right. you build the reputation of the company if it, if it is, of course, a tech, tech primary company. So for within Provide Digital, of course, I'm also focusing on, you know, over the time, over the, you know, next few years to making sure that the company's technology side of things improve a lot in terms of their processes, strategies, and uh, what basically you know, certifications they have in terms of technology to make sure that, you know, the clients, they can trust the company more. In future. Yeah,
0: I, I love that. That's a really a really, really great kind of summary of like the, the role and how it can differ. And I, often from even a few people I've to already on the podcast, hmm. it's interesting for people when they're looking at, you know, obviously my, my, my field is very much helping people with transitioning careers and finding what they want to do they talk a lot lot about job titles and I always kind of challenge people because rather than – I always find you might think, oh, I want to be a chief this and a chief that and you seek the job title. I think the most important for me is to seek the task. So, yes, Yes. it's a job title, but what tasks are you actually going to be doing? And I love your kind of summary because, actually, yes, you can be a chief tech officer, but if you don't particularly like strategy, you know, the task and you're at a big company, let's say – that's gonna be 60, 70% of your job. Whereas if you're at a startup and you love developing products and stuff like that, yes. it might be more familiar to you, you know? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. It depends where, where where you can companies go. You can have same titles and of course you will be doing different things.
0: Exactly, yeah, no, it's, it's true. And <clears throat> speaking about yourself, I suppose personally, like it's interesting, obviously people wanna go into that, that tech space and eventually get to perhaps that level. What, what would you say like the average week looks like? And it's always a tricky question because it's, you know, things vary have you know, various prioritization yeah. in terms of projects and stuff like that. But what what does the kind of average or so week look like for you as a, as a CTO?
1: I mean, for us, because we are um, at a stage where we have the products developed and we are in expansion stage. So for me, I mean, uh, most of the time is is focusing on creating or helping the business teams to create right strategies for the businesses, and also getting feedback from them as well to make sure that we improve our tech side of things. What is required, you know, for us to you know make sure that our our clients or um, our products are compliant to to clients' needs. So that's where basically, you know, right now we, we are focusing, but in, in general, um, my week, basically, is uh, most of the time is spent with the tech teams, of course, uh, you know, uh, to, to making sure that the, everything is running smooth and you know, all the processes are followed um, and there is no red flag in the processes. So we're, you know, we, we need to make sure that one as well. Uh, also to, to make sure that we keep assessing our resources because uh, for CTO, resources are, are assets. For them, and they, we need to make sure that we we keep assessing those resources, that whether they are healthy or not. If there is a, we we see there is an you know possible you know concerns are there, so that we can make sure that we 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 have a plan B for that one, because the ultimate goal is of course for your products to be all time healthy and they're they're running, um, they're alive there uh and yeah, I mean part of that one is also of course you know attending a lot of meetings uh, uh yeah. helping you know creating more strategies and you know following the processes um uh a part of 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 my week probably now is more uh, going in in terms of improving um the technical architecture of the company as well uh where we can focus on you know uh making sure that that the processes the strategies they they are up to the mark they are industry standard because when you start um, you know, your company you can't you know tick all the boxes from very yeah. first day so you have to gradually you know uh, uh, look at all these things and, and you need to prioritize you know when it is important because if you are you know expansion stage you need to make sure that uh, all your resources or all the processes and everything is is compliant is is actually you know what is required
0: yeah so, no, that- yeah
1: that's that's typical week
0: that that makes that makes perfect sense and it it always <clears throat> the bit at the end you just said about kind of mm. working on the the business architecture and the kind of structure i suppose it's, it's quite important especially for a role like you because there becomes a a gap and a difference where you're not just working in the business, you're working on the business. Uh, And so you're not just kind of doing the day-to-day work and kind of pushing out widgets and all the rest of it. You actually got to work on the business itself. And, you know, is it sustainability of the business? Is it the direction of the business? You know, like you're, I'm sure, and, and I invite you to kind of speak a bit more about it. I mean, your industry is, so quick and fast pace that if you're not constantly working on your business and kind of pivoting I presume you get left behind
1: yeah absolutely you know in all tech companies uh uh, speed is the key uh you know um that factor actually makes or breaks your business Mm. so if you're slow you takes time to develop um somebody else will 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 develop it you know and then it's it's an open market you know you you can't can't compete you know with with, if somebody is faster than you and um so uh, but at the same time of course we need to make sure that you know uh, whatever we develop is stable or whatever we do is stable they won't f- you know uh, fall off because we are we are just you know quickly doing things and yeah. a good example is this uh, this you know titanic submarine <laughs> you know it was yeah. done very quickly and that that's this goes into you know disaster so so that that's also very crucial as well but yeah speed is a key here and also to make sure that we are using most cutting edge technologies as well and um, making sure that we, we what we are using is is with a vision of future so it should it won't it won't go redundant in next five years so and and there are a lot of a lot of decision making here in more michael frankly speaking and, and a lot of time basically we have to do research as well so we have some knowledge of course but then we have to you know take more knowledge or expert advice
0: yeah definitely, definitely. And then, so that you can tell there's a whole lot of variety in that in that role and like you said it's Obviously, working on kind of, uh, you know, internal developments, but also making sure you're, you're kind of adept to to changes in the industry. And you're right about, you know, speed is king, but, you know, if you're too quick, it can kill you. Like, and like that, you know, no one, well, perhaps certain high, you know, I'm not in the echelons of people to to kind of pay money to go and view the Titanic. I I haven't quite reached that pay grade (laughs) just yet. Um, where, you know, here's hoping, but, um, so I wouldn't have been aware of that company anyway, but, you know what crikey a vast amount of population now be will be aware of that company because of the mistake it's made and of yes. course some people say you know um all press is good press but i i disagree in, in this in this statement because the only reason why that company's been kind of found out and known is because of a, a massive kind of uh, challenge or issue that, that they've had so yes speed is key i suppose in your role but especially in that chief place. I suppose you're, you're managing the balance, aren't you? Yes, you, you've got to yes. be and you've got to get first to the market, but you don't want to get too quick where the stability of the product isn't great and you actually end up, you know, delivering a bad reputation for yourself.
1: So, Absolutely, because as a startup, your reputation is the key because if you start at a uh, wrong side of the things, mm. uh, of course, you're not go- you're not going long then.
0: Yes. Uh, and
1: and yes. especially health vertical is, is a very small vertical. You know, people knew each other and reputation is 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 a massive thing like in finance sector you know repetition is a key similar health is is also you know repetition is a really key uh, thing for any startup
0: so what what are like the i suppose in terms of your role personally before we then look back on your past and the journey you've taken for especially for other listeners who are kind of aspiring to kind of follow in your footsteps what what are like the most enjoyable least enjoyable parts of of being a, a chief tech officer for you what what's what's the best bits and the and the bad bits <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well um there there are a lot of good bits as compared to bad bits so that's the first first statement i would say uh i think the all most of the good things and which i i think like the most good about my job is is constant learning yeah so i have to uh read a lot uh, connect to the industry a lot keep my vision very clear because as a city of the company, your, your vision is the key, which basically drives you, uh, you know, towards, you know, achieving goals and, and, and doing things. So that's constantly, you know, um, um, uh, you know, keep, keeping, keeping, you know, understanding what is required for that, that vision and constantly learning new things. That is a key here. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when you transition from a, a tech developer into a CTO, then you realize that you know um uh, strategy is a key to to drive things you know as a developer you you always focus on you know your your task in hand right you have you have just a small task so you are kind of a you know s- small cog in a, in a in a big whole you know uh, system yeah. and you just focus on that one but when you go as progresses a cto um you have to see that all the cogs are running you know uh, efficiently yes. and 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 everything is 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 smooth um so uh that's is a, is a different thing because there you have to make decisions and you have to uh you know stand by your decisions uh that's that's a, that's a key there of course you do have uh, again this, the same thing as a developer like as a developer you have some you know ways to experiment you do have uh, you know, some leeway to experiment in, in this one role as well. But um, still there are bigger impacts of your, you know, decisions as compared to a developer. You know, if you do a mistake, you can of course, revert back, you can test, yeah. you know, in I'm going a little bit more techy side of things. Michael. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can test it, retest it, you know, check it, you can debug it. Here, yes, debugging is less. You have to, you know, uh, make sure that your decisions are to, to at least try to to get them right in the first time. Uh, but yeah that's the, that's a good part of you know uh, uh, of my 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 role currently and i think the uh uh the difficult part i would say uh, which which is i would say I, yeah i like less you know in terms of you know uh when you move from a developer um you have to write a lot of you know, doc- documentation as as a cto in lot of you have to you know give inputs to the strategies and all the documentation, make sure you know all these things are there. Now these don't come naturally as a developer, because as a developer you you keep you know you 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 keep yourself very updated and keep yourself occupied within that scenario of you know developing codes and everything. Uh, of course you do your know, documentation of codes, but again CTO you have to do a lot of papers, uh, you know a lot of inputs towards that business as well, and then you also have to understand the business side of things. Which is mm-hmm. crucial for any CEO. You know, you need to understand your business, right? Otherwise, you can't make decisions in, t- in terms of tech. Uh, as a developer, you don't have to understand the business. You have a problem in your hand, you just solve it, put the code in, and just you know go to the next problem or next task. Right. But here, you have to understand that the, what is the business, where the company is making you know profits or what the sales is. So you are you have to more involve into your you know and more entrepreneurial side of the of the side of the of the company as well. Definitely. So that is a challenge, I would say.
0: <laughs> and I think um, it's interesting. It's, you know, it's different skill sets, isn't it? Like you said, yeah. you move from a very technical kind of practical, logical uh, role. And one of our previous uh, episodes, we actually delved very deep into the world of uh, being a developer. Uh, we had mm-hmm. none other than someone you know in, in Daniel Flint. So, um, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, so he was really good. He was talking about... Um, the worlds of kind of being a developer and the various different aspects so if you haven't heard mm. that um I invite you all to listen to that that podcast uh well uh, love to yeah so that 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 would be that would be good um but yeah you're right it's a very different skill set in terms of that kind of developer uh, role when moving to a chief uh kind of tech officer um and it's interesting you said about lifelong kind of the learning aspect um and I I often think so when I kind of take people through kind of career coaching and they're wanting to transition roles and perhaps not sure where they want to go, yeah. the first thing I always start on is always values. Like what are the core values that you hold? And of the course, these change over time, you know, you know, that they ch- might change over three, five-year periods, they might change after big life events, but they're often things that stay with you. And one of my kind of biggest core values, uh, and as I spoke about with Daniel, is lifelong learning. Um, and I, I think whenever I look at roles, whether it's professional or personal, I always try and make sure that there's an aspect of learning involved in them yeah. because that's what keeps me alive and keeps me kind of going. Absolutely. Totally so, agree with that, that with same, Michael. Yeah. Is that the same with you, would you say? Absolutely. I think that's
1: that's the key there. Um, if, if I see my career, I, I transition into different industries as well. And even my, my education is in different fields. Of course, it stays in engineering, but again, different fields of engineering. And I think one thing is very common and which I think is key for anyone is, as you mentioned, your, your values or your mm-hmm. motivation towards learning things. Uh, you can you, you can move in in any career, you know, whether vertically or horizontally, or even switch you know careers. It yes. doesn't matter. Your, one thing that is very extremely important is your values and motivation towards learning. That, that that makes all the difference i think
0: definitely and uh, when you listen to various you know i i obviously with that learning kind of value of mine I, I i kind of delve into a lot of books a lot of podcasts a lot of kind of um educational material and the most common thing i've learned and it's not you know it's something that i've kind of tried to embody myself it's any big chief exec or any big person on a podcast like um diary of a ceo by stephen bartlett which i recommend to everyone I mean there's not a lot of people who haven't heard about that podcast because it's got so big but but if you haven't I I really kind of thoroughly recommend you listen but the most common trait all of these amazing people who we deem successful is they have um, a a constant appetite of curiosity so they're always curious they always want to learn new things and they have the insatiable appetite to be consistent and those two things consistency and curiosity you know i always say if you do whatever you want to do for 10 years consistently and you're constant you're constantly curious so you're not you know after a year think i know everything i'm perfect there is no limit to the potential and what you can achieve and you will be a success in your own right not by what society says is successful money and all the rest of it but whatever you think is successful if you do it for 10 years and you constantly learn you're constantly curious you know the, the 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 there's no potential no um ceiling to your potential at all you know absolutely
1: i think i think that's that's the key here you just mentioned you know that's a key curiosity and you know consistency you keep 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 yourself curious keep learning things um i would say if you, at a point where you think that you are the best or you, you learn everything, yeah. I think that's the point you stop learning and that's yeah. the time you stop growing, I would say. It doesn't yeah. matter where you reach or what point you reach, I think. And uh, that's something if you, if you can build in yourself or learn to be curious, I would say it's, it's an amazing thing. It can do wonders to your, to your life, to your career.
0: I, I, I yeah completely agree and I, I I love what you said there yeah what once you think you know everything you know nothing I always say yeah yeah it, absolutely like, especially in the tech world of all in your industry yeah like if you're you know and let's be frank if you're egotistical enough to think right well, I know everything I mean there's new languages there's new updates the platforms like within days weeks months oh it's always oh, changing it very
1: fast. fast
0: exactly exactly so uh, that is, it's been really kind of helpful to kind of talk a lot about your kind of current role and the, the chief tech officer and what that involves and, and kind of the things you, you enjoy, enjoy most. It'd be interesting for people who perhaps they like the tasks. And, and that's the key thing for me. They like what the sort of tasks you're doing as a chief, Te- chief mm-hmm. tech officer. It'd be interesting now to delve into your background. So what, what are some of the perhaps the past experiences? If you were to highlight a couple. What do you think are some of those key experiences and roles you've done previously that have allowed you to kind of transition to, to where you are now?
1: Mm, uh, yes, interesting question, I think, Michael. So um, from the very start, I, I can say that I, 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 when I was in school time, I never liked computers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the first language I learned was C, C++ mm-hmm. uh, back in 2001, I would say. Uh, and I really hated that one. <laughs> I don't know why I really didn't like the the way. Perhaps you know, you know how I, I read it or how I, I perceived that t- at that time, mm-hmm. and I thought, no, I'm not going to go into you know tech side of things. Uh, but I think over the time, gradually, uh, when I get in touch at a later stage, when um, I, I I I have different experience. You know, in terms of the tech side of things, and uh, and the languages now, I think that's why it, they're transitioning. You know, learning a or a C plus a C++, or learning a Python is a totally different experience, and that's yeah. why we see you know a lot of people they they are now uh, m- goes more into tech side and or easily transition into tech side of things, even they, if their you know whole life is is not is in non technical field, and. Um, That happened with me, and that comes um, in in a very interesting way. And I don't think so. You know, most of people are 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 like me in terms of you know transitioning into tech side of things. Um, Earlier part of my career was in academia, so Mm -hmm. I was a lecturer teaching you know uh, different subjects. Of course, not not tech. Uh, uh, And then I moved into more research side of things. And then again, the curiosity thing basically that that comes into me, and I go into more and more into research. And there I think, oh, I have to learn languages, you know, because I have to do, you know, some codes, some some parts. And there, I think that, that second the second interaction of, with, with you know, coding, uh, that clicked with me. And at that time, because of the, and I think because of the curiosity we just mentioned, that curiosity element is, I think, I think is, is very, very important here. Mm. And there, um, I start learning more into, you know, uh, tech side of things, going more into, and this time because of the curiosity and because of my motivation, it comes very easy to me, second time, and right. I, I start enjoying it. Then I more moved into tech. Uh, but earlier part of my tech or interaction with tech is more research side of things. So I was doing more research into technology and using technology to do my research, and um, that's how I, I transitioned more into into tech side of things. Um, and of course, education is also crucial here. Um, I did my PhD in AI and machine learning. Uh, it's a part of tech, of course, not proper software development, but it is more about research and, and but it's, it's a cutting edge technology basically you use. You use, of course, programming to do all the algorithms, but again, the whole algorithm is, is the key here. And, and that's where basically you know, you, you improving in your tech side of things. Yeah. Uh, languages you can learn very easily, but it's algorithms basically, or how you solve a problem by languages so you know all these languages are just a tool for a tech person or a developer but the key for any developer or you know a, a key thing which basically differentiates between a good and not so good developer is their problem solving skills okay. uh, they just use programming to solve a problem uh, in hand and and that's where basically i think uh, you know education is, is also important so phd helped me a lot in terms of learning that skill, or hone, you know, harnessing that skill of you know solving a problem or you know breaking down a problem systematically, very complex problems, mm-hmm. and I think that also helped me to quickly move to to the CTO level position as well. Because uh, during that time, you are trained to you know manage things, bigger things, you know, and with the, you know bigger long term goals. You don't look at just the short term goal. You know, you look at three years goal, and that is also uh, you know helped me you know moving you know to to that level quickly uh but yeah i I assume that's 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 my my journey you know towards tech side things
0: yeah I think it's it's so interesting to hear your journey. I'm sure kind of the listeners will kinda of say the same, and I think the key thing for me to say as well is there's so many different journeys to kind of get into these places absolutely and even yourself it's it's a prime example that. You, you weren't this typical person, the typical, you know, eight, nine-year-old who was interested in coding and read these books and knew five platforms and programs by the time they were, like, 15 and all the rest of it, and you were kind of born that way. And that's often how society kind of deems people going to the tech space. So, like, you know, they they came out the womb, like, knowing yeah. Python and all the rest of it. Um, <laughs> whereas you were completely different. You kind of – you tried that aspect in that industry, and it wasn't for you then. Um But you had that constant curiosity and I think, you know, what goes in mind with curiosity is self-awareness, I suppose. Having awareness of kind of what your interests are, what your strengths are. And again, this is the the whole premise of coaching really, to help support people to understand that and bring it out. And then the most important piece, yes, once you gain self-awareness is to action it. Um, And it's really interesting how you kind of went almost full circle. And then the second time you had a bite of the apple and and heard about coding, you kind of went off from there, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It
1: all depends on the time when you're mm. doing it. What your motivation is. Uh, maybe as a, as a school student, I will, I, I, I didn't had that motivation, you know, to learn that thing, and it felt me very very hard in terms of you know grasping it. But I think when I came second time, I was a different stage, mm. uh, you know, different different times and and different motivation as well, because I think that makes a lot of difference you know the motivation is is the key the curiosity is the key if you're motivated enough definitely you you know you you can do good
0: definitely and and i think there's a there's a balance you know the whole you know find a job you love and you'll never work another day i i i i think it's obviously it's a bit too far fetched so i i would yeah. argue but i think there is some degree of truth in that and that that is the philosophy i can i sign up to in terms of kind of following your passion and you know there's a very kind of two sides I'm sure there's more than two sides but two sides or schools of thought around this in Mm. terms of thinking you find something and you get good at it and once you're good at it you then have a passion or you have natural kind of innate uh, interest and that might be through society your upbringing whatever it is and you kind of follow that as your passion and go from there and then perhaps develop a competency in it so it's something you already had an interest in and you developed or there's something you don't have an interest in, but after a certain amount of time you gain passion in that that area. And I and I think if I you know invite listeners, I suppose when they listen to our, our stories and they hear different kind of professions and pathways, I really want to invite them to think, what are the some of the things I'm hearing, the tasks, the activities mm-hmm. they're doing, that I think, that's really interesting. I would like to do that, you know. And I would really kind of implore you to kind of write down on a piece of paper some of the interests some of the strengths, some of the takeaways you found from this and kind of kind of sit and mull it over. Maybe have a if you have a close partner, friend, whoever it is, and kind of say to them. And I always think about this when I was a child. I, I look back sometimes and say, what are the things I did without even realising or what are the things I'm having the, hmm. the most joy in? And if you don't know, sometimes your partner or friend can say, whenever you do this... You got this big smile, just like you now. <laughs> got this big, Absolutely, big, big smile on your face, you know.
1: Yeah, I do this a lot because sometimes when you do yourself, you know, you you, you be very busy, you know, generally in your day to day life, and you forget about giving yourself feedback. Mm. And you are not the best person to give you feedback as well. Sometimes, you know, you, you your peers or somebody you think that that is, you know, uh, looking at you, you know, all the time. They can give you that crucial information which you miss, you know, all the time. You know, even you can't have access to that information. And I think the the thing you just mentioned is, I think, really, really, really important.
0: Definitely, definitely. And 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 like your story says, you know, you might have feedback on certain areas to develop or, pardon me, certain interests you have. But who's to say in three years, five years time, it might completely flip on its head. So it yeah. is important to kind of revisit these things. I think, so like I said, with values, values are more things that stay with you for a period of time. Um, yes. Perhaps in five year cycles, there's no hard and fast rule, but they stay with you for a longer period of time. But, you know, I, I'm at the tender age of 28 uh, at the minute. And I my five year cycle with will maybe involve kind of children. Who knows how my values will be shaped when I have children? That'll be a big life. Yes. So it's important, like values, as well as your interests and strengths, to kind of revisit these things on a, on a fairly uh, periodical basis. Um, but kind of, kind of moving on, you know, we, we got, had a good bit about your kind of composition, uh, where you are, perhaps some of the past experiences and your journey to kind of, that helps you with that transition. I'm interested to come to a young, a young dirage. Um, he, I, I mean, you're looking particularly young, anyway. To be honest, <laughs> you? well, I don't know if it's delighting you uh, or what, but you're looking good. No,
1: it's it probably to because I'm, I'm I'm touching forty soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, you should have said. You should have said. But, but, but perhaps a, a young D-Raj, if you had um, a piece of advice or, or various pieces of advice that you would have given him uh, before entering this kind of industry and, and this world, what what would it what would it be?
1: oh definitely a lo- lot of them <laughs> I, I think everyone thinks like that you know that they can they, they could have been you know better when they were they were young uh i th- i think one thing that that is um uh that is with me is um is is to use the resources you know better what what i had you know when i was earlier i had resources but i was not re- I was curious and that was from very start you know i was curious from school itself I think that was part of me all the time, and and I I kind of uh, keep it, keep that alive, you know, all the time, because the curiosity g- gave me that that power, the strength, you know. I feel you know very confident with, with being curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same point of time, if you if you are not you know managing all the resources around you with that curiosity, uh, you mentioned the second part, the, the consistency part. I think I was not very consistent. When mm. I was I was young, mm. so I think curiosity without consistency perhaps is not great combination. You know, it, it won't take you far. You know, so you have to have that consistency as well with curiosity. And I think these two things are really, really important. And that that can that can uh, do wonders to your to to your life. Uh, even not just career, but in know, you in your personal life as well. If you're, yeah. you're curious about you know things, because you, you just mentioned you know that, that as based on the point that you said in five years time your your value change they do change Mm. your motivation changes your priority changes right your your view towards life changes Uh, there are different stages in life and you and you get married you know when you get kids and when you know you get good your kids got teenage age you know your everything your changes around around you and you as a human being changes right so Change is, is is the only thing that is constant around you. So you have to make sure that your values and your motivation should be according to that that change, and they basically, uh, you know, marry to that 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 change. Otherwise, it can be, it can conflict a, a lot in terms of that one. So now go back to that one. The the, the curiosity is is you have to be curious all the time, but then you have to be consistent and make sure that your curiosity is rightly directed as well. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, it, it shouldn't be very scattered because if it is too scattered, uh, you won't be, you know, focusing in in one side of things. So I think one thing that I uh, I think I, I really like to have it being more consistent uh, at a young age. Um uh, It took me a lot of time to reach to these things, basically, uh, because of, you know, it was not consistent. My Curiosity was not, you know, focused into that one as well. And um I think it's it's more, uh, I just mentioned your resources as well, because when you are consistent with your curiosity, you try to find right resources for you all the time, and then you get to the resources at the end of the day. Um, I think early stage of my, as a as, as young years, he was very curious, but again, he was not looking for resource, right resources and was not you know, understanding the importance of resources of people around you who can give you right advices, who can you guide you. Um, I, I always think that if I would have somebody to give me advice at early stages of my life, it would be totally different. Sometimes you, you know, you, you, you keep walking in your, in you know, in your, in your, you know, area, you don't look outside that when you don't think out of this one, that there might be somebody to, to guide you, to help you, you know, because at that age, I think, I think you, you, you think that you are, you, you're the best, you have the best knowledge over <laughs> the world. And, and a, as soon as you understand that, it's always good to take advice. It's always good to take ask for help. And it's okay to ask for help. I think that changes everything. Uh, that can speed up everything in your life. And you can achieve things very, very fast as compared to, you know, you just keep, you know, making your decision, keep giving you feedback. You just mentioned you know, get a feedback from someone, who, you know, your partner or someone, you know, who's saying that you who can give you, you know, something. And that, that is a that is good good habit. I think someone can develop
0: amazing and you know it's really powerful it's really powerful kind of the, the words you kind of shared with with us just in right. so thank you kind of for that um because i i think it's important i think you you know i suppose my that that is my role in a nutshell i always say a coach does three core things because you know coach mentor we have these words that are kind of thrown out but a coach does three core things they guide someone they support someone and they challenge someone. And those three, if you don't do one of them, it's incredibly important. You need to do all three. You, yes, you okay. kind of guide someone on the journey. You know, a coach is a very, it's an equal relationship. So it's not like yeah. a mentor, where the mentor tells you what to do. The, guide, the coach kind of guides you on that journey. They support you because you're gonna have various things. You're gonna have ups, highs and lows. You're gonna do those. things you, you're not particularly enjoy. You're gonna have uh, various challenges that come into your life. So I need someone to, to kind of keep you motivated but one of the most important things I personally think with a coach is they challenge you and you might have friends who do perhaps the first two, they might guide you and support you, but they, they, you know, we always talk about the expression of yes, man. You have like a yes, man. Go, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that. The good thing with a coach is they will challenge you and they will say to you this thing you're kind of aspiring for. You're chasing. So I'm chasing to be, I don't know, whether it's a consultant. And a, why mm. do you want to do that? Well, because then I you know, will have prestige and I'll be able to buy a big car and I'll be able to do this. And okay, what's important about buying that big car? Well, if I buy yeah. a big car, then people like me. And okay, w- w- is there more to this? And, and I, I think having someone to challenge you at those early years can really allow you to kind of reprioritize and think, what's actually important? And it, there's a real thing that kind of floats into my mind and I I I have forgot who it is, so apologies, I, I won't be able to give credit. But it's, would I buy this if I was the only person on the planet? And it's really interesting. There's certain things, of course, that it doesn't apply to. But would I buy the the BMW, new series, whatever it is, and the, the mm. whatever it is? No, probably. If I was the only person on the planet, I'd get my simple little car, because I wouldn't care what other people think about me, and they'll get me from A to B. You know, it, 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 there's so many things we do, unfortunately, especially when we're younger. And, and that's why yeah. I focus on people when they're within the ages of 25 and 35 yes. to impress others and not to actually do what we want to do. I mean, does any of that kind of um, resonate with you in terms of that that, that journey? Uh,
1: I think absolutely, Michael. Um, the, the age you just mentioned, I think is is crucial years of your life. Mm. And um, it, it is because of, you know, geography, it's, it's, it's more, of, more about, you know, your your age and, you, you you know, things, everything around around that side of things. And these are really important as well, because at that age, uh, generally, you know, that is the time where you basically, you know, things can go really wrong and things can go really good as well. Because at a at later stage, you, th- you can understand with your experiences things mm-hmm. better as well. Uh, of course there are except you can still you know you know you need still you need you know someone there as well at every stage because i said that things changes with you right it's mm-hmm. not really it's not like you just you know have things or you know have someone at your side at least at the stage and the later you're fine you you need someone all the time i think and everybody should have and that's i think the crucial thing um but at that age i think it's it's really really crucial because at that age there are so many things uh, happen to you you know you're, you're exposed to so many responsibilities and, and 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 so many things around happening to you that 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 makes you nervous that makes you, you know uh, excited at some point of time and that sometimes make you go low into of as well so mm-hmm. i think it's, it's it's a big thing uh michael if you you know you're doing because if at that stage someone passed through that one there's less chance that they, they can go wrong at later stage mm-hmm. so that that builds your foundation uh, which you can literally use rest of your life uh to you know thrive uh, and and not just in your career i think in your personal life as well you know um if you, you know what kind of human being you are it it basically that foundation makes you that kind of a human being your choices in your life you know uh what you do whether you do right or wrong or whatever basically you know taking the right things basically that is that is i think extremely important so mm-hmm. I, I would say that that's you're helping society as well you know because Uh, society is is made of people you know it's it's not you know all other things all this it's it's people who are basically representing societies and if people are um uh on right path at an early stage that can help wonderful things you know going forward
0: yeah nice, absolutely amazing dear again thank you for kind of sharing that and I, i i truly resonate with your kind of your last point around helping society i think you know, uh, my, my first podcast or episode talks a lot about kind of why I'm doing this and, and why I'm in this profession. And I speak obviously about my values, but I, I, I speak a lot about my kind of wider why I suppose. And there's a, the common thing around, uh, Simon Sinek who, who has a, a book and a, a TED talk with oh. start with why, again, something I, I highly recommend people kind of either read or watch the TED talk or, or read his book, um, and my way is simply to inspire people to do what inspires them, um, and I think it's such a massive kind of ripple effect we can have on people's lives. I, I think about the amount of people, and I'm going to be really naughty. I'm going to pick on receptionists only because I've encountered a few receptionists who aren't particularly happy. So I'm going to be really naughty. <laughs> but I just think to myself, you know, the ripple effect you can have on people's lives. I think, yeah. you know, if they were in a role they enjoyed you know, they're going to come home, they're going to be probably more happy. Of course, we have good days and bad days. No one's perfect. So yeah. Perfectionism yeah. is is a fallacy. But at least they're going to be in a much more positive state. Then when they come home, they're going to be more positive to others. And it's just going to be that butterfly, that ripple effect that affects absolutely. Others. So I, I think for me, it, it, there's no, you know, it's not a no brainer for why I'm in the profession I am and what I want to do. Um, but I think it's equally important for others. How can they you know, contribute to their own legacy and helping others, you know, regardless of what profession it is, you know, yours is perhaps a, an easy parallel in terms of the tech, but in the health industry, you know, you're quite simply changing people's lives, um, yeah. which is not kind of overstated. You, you're you changing people's lives on a day-to-day basis. I think it's important for others for when they, you know, get old and grey and it's not, it's not something we don't want to think about, but they're on their deathbed. Yeah. Kind of look back and say, you know, not just what what's my car and what's my house and all the rest of it, but what the memories I've created with loved ones, and how do I impacted this world well to make it a better place? Yes. So true. Perfect. Thank, thank you. And, and if people want to kind of connect with you going forward and um, they're interested in your kind of your past experience in terms of you mentioned, you know, a real variety in terms of developing piece, the AI, the kind of research lecturer, or perhaps in your more current role in terms of that, that tech officer for, for Provide Digital, where would be the best place for them to, to connect with you and, and continue the conversation?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn is the best place. I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. Um and make sure at least i check out all the messages and everything you know or or you know to answer any queries at least twice a day uh even including weekends yeah of course you know some exceptions but yeah but i i i'm I'm very active on linkedin
0: Perfect, Paris. Perfect. So I'll make sure to, to include a link uh, to your LinkedIn in the show notes then. Thank you.
1: Thank uh, you, if you Michael.
0: Want to connect. So uh, without further ado, thanks again for your time, d I uh, hope, I'm sure right. there's, there's untold wisdom and insight that will help the listeners today. Uh, oh, thank you so much, Michael. Journey, But thank you for your time. Thanks for inviting man. Take care. No problem at all. Cheers all, and I'll see you uh, or on the next episode of Catapult Your Career. Okay.